You're listening to a sermon from Providence Baptist Church in Kansas City, Missouri. For more information about our church, please visit church-kc.com or come and visit on a Sunday morning. Sunday School for All Ages starts at 9 a.m. and our worship begins at 1015. Thanks for listening. Anyway, just a little introduction. I, I preached my first sermon in 1982. It was Baptist Men's Day. I was a brand new deacon. And when I listened to that cassette tape, now, how many in here, y'all remember cassette tapes? Okay. When I listen to it now, I think, man, how did I butcher that so badly? <laughs> but God has a way through, through his spirit of strengthening us and making us who he wants us to be. So this morning, it's been on my heart ever since a week ago that the Word of God in Psalm 122, verse 6 says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. Let's pray for Jerusalem. Heavenly Father, your word is true. And we trust in you because you wrote us this love letter called the Holy Bible. And Lord, we pray this morning for Jerusalem, for all of Israel, for the Jewish people around the world, that you would bring them peace, that you would protect them. We pray, Lord, for the innocent people, because we know they exist, that are among these horrible terrorists. And we ask, Lord, that these terrorists would be stopped, would be brought to justice, that we might even share the word of truth with them. We ask, Father, that we would be faithful in our prayers. We would be faithful and trust you that you will answer this prayer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Great Commission. How many of you call it the Great Commission? I rephrase it. It's our Great Commission. If you know Jesus, it's your commission. It's true. It never fails. Uh, my wife would tell you if you ask her, she went to bed one night with a man that had been an ornery rascal that uh, drank, smoked, didn't chew, chased people that did for too long. And she woke up with a man that couldn't stop talking about Jesus, and that was 43 years ago. So that's why I'm excited. Join me in reading verses 16 through 20 of Matthew 28. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask today that you would speak through this vessel, that not one of us would leave here without Christ in our heart and without a desire to share him with everyone we meet. We pray this in his name. 
Amen. Do you notice in verse 16 they have an appointment with Jesus? Now how many of you in here have ever had an appointment? I know you have. We were at the same place. And when you have an appointment, what do you do? You get up, you get ready. In my case, I shave. I always brush my teeth. I hate bad breath. And, and I get in my car. And, you know, I'm kind of crazy, so I like to get there 15, 20 minutes early. I didn't do that this morning, but I'm married. Nobody laughed. How many of you fellas ever waited on your honey to be ready? Cowards. I know you have, Dad. Don't sit there and act innocent. <laughs> Mom's pretty good about being ready, though. And, and when you have an appointment, that's what you should do. Jesus had told them. He said, go to Galilee. I'll meet you there. When they got there, there he was. It was an appointment with the Master. An appointment with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, with God Almighty. And they went. And it, you want to think about the times of this appointment. And I'm going to use the, a story about the Apostle Paul as an example. The hardships and trials of Paul were lifted out of the insignificant and the commonplace because he looked upon them all as so many acts of service for Christ whom he loved. These disciples were doing the same thing. They had been in hiding. After he was crucified, they were hiding out. You know, when the Bible talks about being in that upper room, where do you hide in your house? Right out in the open or in a second-story room or in a basement? That's what they'd been doing. They were hiding. And then he rose again. Now, I don't know about you all, but I've made a lot of cemetery visits. You know, they're, they're not fun, but I believe they're necessary to honor those we love. And all those years, I've, I've been doing it since I was about 12. My mom and dad used to take us. And in all those years, I've never seen an empty grave where somebody rose again. Have you? And, and that's what impacts me when I read this. It's like, it's like oh, wait, wait. They know where he was put. They knew the big stone had been rolled across there. They knew the guards were there. Only he wasn't in there. And when the angel rolled the stone away, he sat up on the hill and the women came to embalm his body, so to speak. He says, what do you seek? And they said, we seek Jesus. Well, he's not here. He's risen. I, I want you to understand what it took to get these men out of hiding and get them to meet Jesus in the appointed place. Now, if y'all were following somebody that had a great way to speak and so on and so forth, and he got killed, what would you do? You'd hide, wouldn't you? And we all would. And yet, through all those hardships, through all that suffering, I mean, think about it. If Let's say you lived in North Korea for some radical, crazy, lunatic reason. And you said something against their supreme leader. Would you hide? You bet you would. And that's what's, that's, pardon me, put my mouth right on that microphone. That's what's happening today. 
You know, there's attacks on Christians today in our own country. And in Canada, they're putting them in jail. So, the, the point being, we all have an appointment with Jesus. You know when it starts? When we wake up in the morning. You know what it ends? When we go to sleep at night. But it really doesn't end because we should pray right before we go to sleep so we know He's taking care of us through the night. And every morning, we have an appointment with Jesus regardless of the trials, regardless of the troubles that we're dealing with every day. <clears throat> Love is an easy taskmaster. Would you agree with that? Think about it. Has Jesus ever whooped anybody? No. Nope. He's beat me up a lot of times, but I call, I call it he gets out his Holy Spirit too before and whacks me on the forehead and says, stupid. He doesn't really say stupid, but in my mind that's what it's like. And he wakes me up. So it's easy to serve a master who gives you his orders with all his love. That's why Paul, that's why these apostles did this. To have endured hardship and imprisonment. He was Nero's prisoner no less. Would have galled Paul Absolutely to the core. But while in Nero's dungeon for Christ's sake, it was a different matter. He praised Jesus. The way to make our lives wonderful and splendid and filled with love is to give ourselves in that same complete devotion to Christ that the hard things of life will be endured and the spirit of love for His dear sake. Think about it. Probably thousands of hospital visits in my lifetime. I can walk through the corridors of a hospital and tell you in which rooms there are Christians. You know why? You either hear prayer or peaceful conversation. In the other rooms you hear weeping, you hear wailing. You rarely hear anything but that until you come to the room of a Christian. And I've walked into rooms where people were very, very close to death, able to still talk, talked with them, prayed with them, and their request always was, pray that Jesus takes me home now. Isn't that wonderful? I don't know about you, I'm ready anytime. As I get older, I got all kinds of weird, you notice I'm on the prayer list. Saturday I put my hand, or yesterday, no, Friday I put my hand in my pocket and when I pulled it out it was covered with blood because I'm having a skin problem and it just tears with anything. I don't care. God's taking care of me. And, and I want you to understand that that's what God expects. That, didn't He earn the right to expect that of us? Didn't He die in our place? Did Jesus Christ die for you individually? The answer to that is yes. If you'd been the only human being on earth, Jesus Christ would have purchased your life back your soul in heaven with his sacrifice. Period. He didn't just do it for the whole world. Remember, John 3.16 says what? For God so loved the world, and I like the word begotten, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, hold your fingers up. Hold your fingers up. Come on, everybody. Whoever is me, say that. Whoever is me. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, when that says not perish, 
we're, you know, these bodies are frail, aren't they? My wife talks to me quite often about, well, how did the, how did the early Adam and Eve and hit their generation live so long? Simple, perfect environment. The testing that science can do has proven, I'm watching this because I step off too far sometimes, has proven that the oxygen level in the atmosphere was as much as six to eight times higher than it is right now. And if you, have you heard of a hyperbaric oxygen chamber for healing? That's, it heals fast. It heals normal. And can you imagine living in that environment? Your body wouldn't break down. What's causing my skin to break down, I know part of it, is I can't get as much oxygen to it as I used to. Because there's just not enough. And when you think about that, that's why they live so long. And then due to sin, all the vapor barrier that was protecting them ended up in the oceans and the lakes and the rivers. Because this giant flood came. Why'd the flood come? People weren't living for God. They were living for self. And the end result was only eight human beings survived. And Jesus still says, go, make disciples. Make disciples of all nations. Red, white, yellow, blue, black, green, purple, orange, whatever you can think of. If you're a human being and you're breathing, Jesus Christ wants you to be his disciple. His follower. There's no way around it. You know why? We all have an appointment with Jesus. The Bible says, it's appointed unto man once to die. Then each of us shall give account of himself to God, Romans 14, 12. Each of us, think about that. Do what I do. I, I, I do this regularly. I think about yesterday and then I think about the last seven days. And I think, when was I living for me? And when was I living for Jesus? And you know what happens? I find myself praying. And I find myself asking forgiveness. And here's the beauty of prayer and forgiveness. Every time you confess something to God, He makes you stronger so you won't do it again. And I actually pray that. Lord, forgive me. Help me to learn from that failure and make me stronger. And I've learned that he'll do it, no matter what. He'll do it. I'm not perfect. Anybody in here perfect? If you are, come up here. I'll, I'll sit down. You know, the, the, the biggest thing about pastors and about what we do is, is God gets a lot of stuff out of us as we prepare to stand before the church and share his truth. And once he's got it out, then he, can, he speaks through us and he shares his truth. And, and it's important that we, that we grasp that. Because we're accountable. Actually, the Bible says that pastors, deacons, teachers are held doubly accountable. I believe that. So I'm very careful about what I say and preach. The purpose of this appointment was simple. His great commission to mankind, to his followers. That great commission has sent missionaries around the world. Can you imagine going around the world to be a missionary? Oh, I want you to know about that. How many, uh, how many people watched Jesus ascend into heaven? Anybody know? The Bible says it was about 120. How many people does it take to turn the world upside down? 
according to the Bible, 120. And if you really want to boil it down, it took 12. It took 12 disciples. And they literally turned to work. Think about it. This all happened over 2,000 years ago. Why are we here today? Because of Jesus. How did the word get spread? Those disciples told others. That's what the Great Commission, our Great Commission is all about. People telling people, telling people, telling people. You know, if, if a church only depends on the staff to bring people to church, it's going to be a small church. Because the Word of God says we are to equip, we who are pastors are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, and then we all go out and share His truth and share His love. We never know what we're going to say or do that's going to impact. I've known people get saved because their neighbor got up every Sunday and went to church. And they began to wonder what that was all about, so they went to church and ended up getting saved. I know people that got saved because somebody brought a Thanksgiving or Christmas basket to their door for two or three years in a row. And I wonder what that kind of love was about. They went to church. So, so when you look at life that way, it sent missionaries around the world. My question today, church, is this. How will you respond to Jesus' commission today? Will you tell somebody today, tomorrow, next week? You'd like to see them in church, or you'd invite them to church, or, or will you sit down and pray with them? Will you take the time? Because that's what this commission's all about. The Great Commission reveals a Savior with all power. You know, people say... Well, I can't remember the Bible, so what? You know, I've read it at least seven or eight, maybe nine times, and I don't remember 20 or 30 verses specifically. Maybe, that, maybe not that many anymore. I'm getting a little older, you know. And the key is, if you, you own computers? Anybody own a computer? How many of you have a cell phone? Is it a smart one? Mine's called a smart one, but sometimes it's the dumbest thing I carry. <laughs> but, but I want you to understand, it's only what is put in there can come out of there. Okay? We as humans, only what we put in here will God come out. So if we read the Word of God, we believe it, put it in our mind and our hearts, when God needs it, He'll bring it out. You don't have to memorize the Bible. God, doesn't God know what His Word says? Absolutely. And if you read it, He'll bring it out. And you don't have to read the whole thing every day. If you can read the whole thing every day, I don't want to know who you are. But I usually read a chapter, maybe two a day, and then I'll pray about it. And, and what happens is, when God wants it, it's there. And He brings it out. Our brains are the most amazing computers that will ever exist. And what I'm finding, though, at, at my age now is there's a lot of stuff up there, but I cannot speed up that search engine. So sometimes when I get asked a question, I'm like, give me a minute, and it comes out. So, you know, it, it's, it's kind of, it's simple, but as humans, it kind of bewilders us at times. You know, it's like, well, I don't know enough about the Bible. All right, here, read it. Now, read, read it in a fun way. There's, there's all kinds of Bible reading plans. 
You know, read, read a few chapters in the Old Testament. Read a few chapters in the New Testament. I always recommend starting with the Gospel of John. If all we had was the Gospel of John, we could, the whole world could be saved through that. Because there's enough in there to do it. And, and it's important that we read it because all power is given to me in heaven and on earth, says Jesus Christ. And the Gospel has an earthly and a heavenly dimension. We share the good news with earthly people, don't we? I, I love it, you know, the story of the rich young ruler. And Jesus says, go and give away all that you have and come follow me. What's he do? I ain't giving up my Harley. I ain't giving up my car. You want me to give up my mansion? Right? Right? Would you rather be in heaven or be in hell? Because that's what that question means. If you're going to hold on to stuff and not follow him, you're telling him you're rejecting him. And you're refusing to follow through with his great commission. It's important we understand it. You know, I laugh, I hear this question all the time. Well, how did Adam and Eve know Jesus? Well, if you read the book of Genesis, God came down and walked with them in the cool of the day. That's Jesus. Now, they rebelled against him, and he quit walking with them in the cool of the day. And what was the result? How many of you like weeds? How many of you like bugs that bite? How many of you would love to walk up to a tiger and just pet it? Because before... Sin entered in, that's the life they were living. They could use a lion for a pillow. All nature got along with each other. And when sin struck, the earth was cursed, and God lifted his hand of blessing away from them. And here we are. They were never sick. Can you imagine that? Live centuries and never have an illness. It's amazing. And I want you to understand. And, and now, it, it's, you know, my, I was born in the 50s, 1954 to be exact. So my generation was called the me generation. You know, it's all about me and what I want and me first and blah, 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 blah. And I learned when I was 25 and a half years old that it ain't about me, it's about him. And I've had a love affair with him ever since. The only other person I've had a love affair with is Sherry Joe Cook, who's sitting right out there. And, I mean, I can't encourage you enough to do that. All the ups and downs of life, all the good, bad, and the ugly of life. And the most important thing for anyone is realizing that. We share the good news with earthly people. I let, I let, this is a story I, I picked out of a book I have. When facing earthly problems, one of the most memorable sermons was preached by the late Emil Brunner at the Fraumünster Kirche in Zurich. That's just a fancy way to say church in their language. It was based on the phrase, faith, hope, and love. The points were these. Every man has a past, a present, and a future. Every man has a problem in his past, a problem in his present, 
and a problem and his future. Problem in the past is sin. But God has an answer for that problem in Jesus Christ. The problem in our future is death. But God has an answer to that problem. The answer to that problem is hope. Hope in Christ's return based on the fact of his historic resurrection and his promises. The problem in our present is hate. And God's answer to that problem is love. It is, love, it is the love of Christ lived out in the lives of those who trust him. Now think about that. The love of Christ. What's Jesus say in Matthew 5.44? Love your enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Think about it this way. If I, if I love them, number one, if someone treats you badly and you love them anyway, it's going to confuse the snot out of them, to put it bluntly, isn't it? They're being aggressive with you because they want an aggressive reaction. And when you don't do it, they're off center. It ruins their balance. I've had it happen. I've had people come into a church office just screaming. And I'll say, well, I'm sad that you feel that way. Will you sit down so I can pray with you? And they're like, I mean, audibly, a couple of times I heard people go, oh. you know, like, I don't know what to do now. He's not mad. Right? Now, when they left, I had to go kick a tree or kick a can or something because it made me mad. <laughs> but I didn't want to take it out on them. And I want you to understand it. This is what we're dealing with. This is the kind of life that people live here on our earth. Love. The love of Christ lived out in our lives, trusting Him. Having earthly sickness and sorrows happens every day. Every day. And God's love is the only way to deal with that. I don't know how people face death of a child, death of a parent without Christ. You just, I don't know how they do it. We say there are heavenly consequences. Sins can be forgiven. I want you to understand that. Say, say it with me. One, two, three. Sins can be forgiven. Here's what God's Word says. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6.23. Did you hear that? Wages of sin. What we earn by not pleasing God, by living a sinful life, is death. Everybody in this room is going to die unless Jesus comes first. And the wages of sin is death. That word death in the original language means separation from God. I don't want to be separated from God. I've tried that. It ain't fun. It's a bad deal. When I say ain't, by the way, I'm not, it's not because I'm uneducated. It's for emphasis. So, but, I like that word, but what's but mean? It's a turnaround. It's a 180. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus is the Savior with the power to save. I don't want you to forget that. All those Ten Commandments, I'm guilty of all but two. I never murdered anybody and I've never committed adultery, but unfortunately I was stupid enough the other eight or by the wayside. But you know what? In God's sight now, I've lived all ten of them successfully because I'm, I'm covered with the blood of Christ. 
My sins are washed white as snow because of Jesus and because I've trusted him. That is enough for me to follow that commission. Nobody ever, took, nobody ever died in my place before. I know I deserve death. But Jesus died in my place. I get goosebumps on my neck every time I talk about it. They're there right now. And, and I want you to grasp that. Paul makes emphasis about sharing, and he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, Romans 1.16. In other words, don't ever, ever, not ever be ashamed to share God's truth and love, because Jesus is right there with you. He'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you, and he will take you to heaven. Might be today, might be tomorrow. You know, for you young folks, might be 80, 90 years from now. For us old folks, you know, I, I get so frustrated with some of the craziness going on in our world today. I tell the wife, well, I may have to go get my gun collection out and load them all up, just be prepared. She goes, well, what if you got really upset and shot somebody because they were threatening me? And I always tell her, you know, at, the, at this age, that death penalty doesn't seem so bad. Right? You know, when you're almost 70, now we're going to give you death penalty. Okay. But when you're 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, it seemed like a long time. But, but here's the thing. If some horrible thing like that would happen, and it's done to defend one of God's children, where God said somebody takes innocent blood, they're to give their blood for that. So that evil person that was attacking is getting what God says they should. Now, I don't want to have to do that. I, I, I don't know if I could live with that. You know, it, it'd, be, it'd be an awful thing to do. But I know that to protect my wife, to protect my family, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Savior with the power to save. Great Commission reveals the Savior for all people. He says, go therefore and teach all nations. Everybody. Can you imagine? There's enough people in this room to do what Jesus did. Did you know that? There's enough people right now in this room, I didn't count them by the way, to turn the world upside down and bring people to Jesus. Are you all ready to go? I am. Not an amen in the house. Are you all chickens? Everybody's a chicken until they go do it. We've, we've been on a couple home missionary trips and I had the privilege of preaching a, a regional revival up in northern Michigan one year. It was amazing, and God brought a result that was phenomenal in every church. And, and it's just a wonder. We had the privilege of preaching in a church in Scotland one time, and the people there, our, our missionary friends, said they never say amen here. Wife gets up and sings, they're amen and unclapping. I get up, and about every sentence, they're like, amen, preach it, brother. And my buddy's sitting over in the corner going, <laughs> so, go therefore, teach all nations. A few disciples with the world to reach. We're a few disciples. About two, two and a half million people in the KC Metro. If we got serious and got started, we could fill this church up in a month. And I mean that. I, I know it to be true. When somebody that doesn't know the Lord, or maybe they know the Lord, and they dropped out of church. Maybe they got hurt at church. 
But when they know somebody cares enough just to share with them, just to invite them, that has impact. You know, preacher, we get paid to go, we get paid to go ask people, right? We don't do this for the money, by the way. In my lifetime, I could have made two or three million dollars, but God called me, so I didn't make anywhere near that. But I don't care because he's provided well for us. But I want you to understand, the difference between a pastor knocking on doors and a church member knocking on doors or making a phone call is vast. I mean, it's vast. And please go do that. That commission is for all of us. <clears throat> By the way, how did they do it? How did the disciples do it? Did they pick up their cell phones and call them? Or did they put it on a broadcast? They did it like this. Hey, do you know there's a Savior that can forgive your sins? And he wants you to know him. Did you know there's a Savior that can forgive your sin? You see what I'm doing? Does that still work? Better say amen. Does that still work? You bet it does. I'm going to go up this side because my left leg's sore. For some reason, this side's easier. And, and I want you to get that. You know, it's like, it's like, just talk to people. Share Jesus. I had a church, and I had a secretary, and this, the delivery people would bring stuff in. and Somehow, I'd always ask them what their relationship was with Jesus. And about the fourth or fifth time, she goes, you don't talk to anybody. You don't bring up Jesus, do you? I said, nope, because you never know. What was amazing, many of those people were, praise the Lord, thank you for asking and you want, you want to pay attention to that. <clears throat> Salvation is for all people. Nobody's too sinful to be saved. Think about it. How many of the people that are heroes in Scripture were guilty of murder? The Apostle Paul, David, Moses, they all killed people. And God forgave them. All people need to be saved. Remember... <clears throat> Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All, every human being that's ever drawn the breath of life. And then again, 6.23, The wages of sin is death, gift of God's eternal life through Jesus Christ. Baptism, remember he says to be baptizing them, is for all who come to faith in Christ. Every human being. Think about it this way. Those who were converted at Pentecost were baptized. Listen to how many it was. It's Acts 2.41. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Wouldn't that be wonderful to have so many people ready for baptism because of their faith in Christ that we had to keep refilling the baptistry? Hallelujah. That would be a great day, wouldn't it? We have to knock the walls out and make, make more room for everybody. Hallelujah. That's the way God wants us to be. Even the influential Ethiopian. This guy was real high up in the Ethiopian hierarchy of government. Listen to this. As they went down the road, they came to some water, and the Ethiopian said, it says the eunuch in your Bibles, See, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said... 
If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. That's in Acts 8, 36-38. And I mean, think about it. This guy was a high government official. Philip had been witnessing to him. The eunuch trusted Jesus, and what was his first question? I want to be baptized. I see some water. Can you baptize me in it? And the answer is, everybody can be baptized that has trusted Jesus. And it's actually, it's the first act of obedience to Jesus Christ. Educated and religious Paul. Paul, outside of Jesus Christ and God himself, God the Father, most educated man in Scripture was the Apostle Paul, way up the ladder, way above anybody in any school that we know of. <clears throat> he got saved on the, on the road to Damascus. And Acts 9.18 says, Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. Isn't that wonderful? Most educated man... Definitely in the New Testament, and I believe in the whole Bible, uh, ordinary human, and God blinded him on the road to Damascus. He believed in God. God, the, the eye, his eyes were opened. First thing he wanted to do is be baptized as an act of obedience to show the world he belonged to Jesus. Moral and merciful Cornelius Wanted, uh, <clears throat> was baptized, says, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, then asked him to stay a few days. That, he was talking to the Apostle Paul. He was staying at the house of Cornelius. Bible teaching for all people, teaching them to observe all things. Is Bible teaching critical for Christian growth? Who's our Sunday school director? Are you in here? Say Amen. Amen. If, how many of you have been to school? How many of you know how to read? How did you do it? You practiced, didn't you? How are you going to know about God if you don't read His Word? You can't. If all you do is take your Bible home and set it on a shelf until next Sunday... You're not following the Great Commission. You're not following our commission. Read it every day. It's critical. <clears throat> the Great Commission reveals the Savior for all time. Last thing he says is low. Low is just, hey, pay attention. I am with you always. Always. You ever feel alone? Anybody ever feel alone besides me? Nobody's ever felt alone. Well, y'all are, are you, you need to get up, do some jumping jacks. Everybody asleep. I'll put you to sleep. I mean, seriously, when you feel alone, who promised he's there with you? Jesus. I've, I've suffered from depression. I take a medication every day. And if I don't, my wife says within five days she can tell the difference. I'm a real happy guy. And she knows if I'm not acting like me. Did you take your medicine? Uh, well, <laughs> but, but I want you to understand that. That's how critical it is. Jesus is sufficient. Now pay attention to this. Jesus is sufficient for all 
problems in all ages. Anybody that tells you that this is an ancient book and it doesn't apply anymore is a liar. They're listening to Satan. God's word is eternal. It came from eternal God and we will have it throughout eternity. It never changes. That's like saying, well, yeah, the Bible was written by an eternal God, but he didn't know about today's technology. You want to bet? Any of you uh, have technology in your homes? What's it made out of? Plastic and metal and all sorts of stuff. Where'd they get it? Did it just show up? Or did they dig in God's earth to get the stuff to do it? That's what you want to realize. God prepared us for all situations. God, Jesus promised he'd be with us always. Here's a message that's timely. It, he says, he ends that with unto the end of the world. So, why not give a friend a Bible track? You can write your own. Why not help an older couple with their groceries? Why not share with a neighbor who's in need? Why not talk to a friend about his soul? Why not help a friend with a personal problem? Why not have a Bible study with a friend in your home? Why not visit with a newcomer in your community? Why not invite your children's friends to Bible study or church? Why not show hospitality in your home? Why not give encouragement to a new brother or sister in Christ? Why not give support to those who are having trouble in their marriage? Why not show concern to those who have lost a loved one? Why not show to others that Christianity is worth sharing anytime, anywhere, for any reason? Why not invite that checkout person at the grocery store to worship service? Why not give a smile to someone today? Let them know that you are a Christian. Why not be nice to people even when you do not feel like it? Why not let God work His purposes in your life? And why not start loving your neighbor as yourself? Are you willing to take this good news to others? Are you willing to accept it in your own life and then take it to others? The mission field begins outside these doors and extends to the entire earth. Are you willing to be God's missionaries? Would you stand with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we're so thankful today. You have spoken through this vessel your truth. And I pray that each of us applies this truth each and every day in every area of our lives with our families, with our friends, with our neighbors, with our places of business. And Lord, we know that your commission will bear much fruit for your kingdom. For those here today that may not know you, I pray that this be an altar call, that they would come and, and we might pray with them, that your word, your will, be done in their lives. We thank you, Lord. We praise you for this privilege and this opportunity to respond to your truth. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.